there. Welcome to You're Doing Fine, Oklahoma, where we explore mysteries, hauntings, and family secrets from the great state of Oklahoma and beyond. I'm Shy. And I'm Shanna. We're wannabe mystery solvers and cousins that love to hash out our favorite whodunits during family time. Our husbands are afraid of us, as As they they should be. be. We're in Oklahoma. We're amateurs. Don't judge us for the love of God. And we have allergies. Oh, my God. I mean, what are people going to do? They're going to hear us sniff like five million times during one episode is what's going to happen. And ice clinking in my glass. It's it's hot. There's allergies. It's Oklahoma. What more do you want from us? We just need some relief. You know what? We just want to talk true crime. That's all we want. That is all we truly want. That's it. Okay. Cheyenne. <laughs> I love that. That's Harper calls you. Yes. Cheyenne. Cheyenne. I will forever. Dear God, I hope that child never stops calling me Cheyenne. If I say shy, she's like, I'm not really 100% sure who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, Cheyenne. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Because from the age of two weeks old, <laughs> it was, let's go see Cheyenne Ryan. Yeah. And now she's just like, Cheyenne and whoever the rest of these people are. Yeah. Not really. She's always <laughs> like, let's go to Cheyenne's house. Yep. Okay. Yes. Do you have any podcast business to take care of today? I mean, I think the only thing that we should maybe alert people to is mm-hmm. that we're actually going to we push the go button on the true crime festival in Dallas and yes. we're going to have a, a, a booth booth there booth question a mark booth. We still don't know what we're doing right. for the booth, but we'll figure it out. It'll be great. We got a month. We'll figure it out. We might just be sitting at a table with big smiles on our faces. <laughs> like, like idiots. Ask us anything. We're super excited. Mm-hmm. It's going to be. The True Crime Podcast Festival. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. But yes, True Crime Podcast Festival. Yes. In Dallas. Yes. The weekend of August 26th. Mm -hmm. So the 27th and 28th. Yep. Is when it's open to the public. Yep. Right? I believe so. Yeah. And our friend Raven from the Sirens podcast will be there. Yes. And then people that we aspire to be Mm -hmm. friends with from Affirmative Murder. Yes. Will be there. I can't wait. So we're real amped up about it and we're trying to get our shit together. We're trying to get it together. (laughs) Um, I think it's going to be a great opportunity. Uh, but it's also a little bit terrifying, not going to lie. It's super terrifying because every other podcast that's on that um, roster, roster, Bill, I don't know, whatever, like you would know who they are if you listen to true crime podcasts. Right. And people are going to be like, oh, and then there's you guys. Who are you? Fucking posers. Yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm so scared about. I'm not a poser, I promise. Maybe I am. I don't know. Fucking posers. (laughs) It's fine. We're going to try our best. We're going to pose until we become it. That's not right. We're going to fake it till we make it. Fake it until we make it. Right? 
Uh-huh. And yes. we might be able to record a podcast f- live I know. from the podcast festival. I know. Because they'll have a recording booth set up. How fun is that going to be? Oh, my gosh. But there's a mixer. Like, we'll get to meet all these other podcasters and I have a just feeling it's going it to be like you, me, and Raven just being introverts with social anxiety, just being like, look <laughs> at all these people. <laughs> uh, should we go say hi? I don't know. You yeah. Somebody, somebody, somebody take the lead. Somebody. Maybe I should up my meds and then I'll maybe have a backbone. Yeah, do that. Okay. Do that. Okay. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Let me talk with the the, the doc. Yeah. See what we can do about that. Yeah. Consult your doctor before any medication changes. Yes, please. This is a PSA. Uh. do you have any other podcast business besides that i do not okay so i'm gonna do a slight corrections corner right now oh gosh okay because in one of our recent previous episodes i think it was the amber barker episode i'm not 100 percent sure um but in one of our recent previous episodes we were discussing a cold case that had been solved here in Oklahoma. Okay. And they solved it through uh, DNA. Okay. The baby doe case. Oh, uh, the 30-year-old. Yes. Mm-hmm. The 30-year-old uh, baby doe case was recently solved. And I mistakenly said that I thought that the OSBI had utilized Othram okay. for DNA testing and genetic geneolo- genealogy services. Yeah. And I went back and looked, and it was Parabon Nano Labs. Okay, partnered with the OSBI to um, do the testing and do the um, genetic genealogy. Right. But I wanted to tell you a small piece about that story, and then I'll go into the real story for yeah. this week. Does cool. that sound good? Yes. Okay. So that baby, baby Doe, mm-hmm. was a baby boy. Okay. And was born in 1993. Okay. So legit 30 years ago. The baby's throat was cut shortly after birth. Yes. Yeah. And the baby's body was placed in a woman's front yard in rural Choctaw County, which is in southeast Oklahoma. Okay. So this woman finds the baby. She calls police, ambulance, everybody else. Um. The medical examiner at the time did an autopsy and found that the baby was healthy and born alive and subsequently murdered shortly. Right. Shortly after. So they kept blood samples for future use and everything like that. But since it was 93, they didn't get very far with it. So a new OSBI agent was looking through old cold cases. And in October 2020... Okay. So almost two years ago, sent the DNA to Parabon Nano Labs. Oh, wow. And you'll remember that Parabon got real famous real fast because they are who analyzed the DNA for uh, and made the genetic genealogy connections for Golden State Killer. Yes. Case. So OSBI sent those in 2020. And then this year, they finally got it back and got some leads on the genetic genealogy and the lineage. And then OSBI worked with them to try to really narrow it down. And they interviewed a bunch of people. Finally, June Mm -hmm. this year, they interviewed a woman named 
Mayonia Michelle Allen. Okay. And she was brought in for an interview and admitted to that it was her baby and that she had murdered the baby. So oh, wow. she was arrested and she's being prosecuted. So we'll see how that goes. But um, we will follow that case and, and see what comes of it. But what I thought was really, really interesting is the OSBI has their own genetic genealogist on staff. What? And I was like, that sounds like my fucking dream job. Right. I mean. Yeah. Family trees and DNA. Hello. Yeah. That's your jam for sure. Shit. For sure. That sounds amazing. Anyway. That's awesome. Way to go, OSBI. Or as they used to call it, way to go, Crime Bureau. I love it. <laughs> crime Bureau. <laughs> way to go, Crime Bureau. I love it. Good job. So that was just a little bit about Baby Doe. Um, in Corrections Corner, it was Parabon, not Othram, which they both kind of do the same thing, but... Yeah, it's neither here nor there. We want to give people their props, right? right? Yes, especially when they're making huge advancements in crime solving or, you know, yeah, t- uh, matching of yeah, DNA on crime scenes and things like that. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So now for our actual episode for the week. Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Yes. It's got serial killer vibes. Sweet. And it's crazy train i'm ready do i need my seatbelt? strap in <laughs> strap it in strap it in it's gonna be a wild ride <laughs> probably one that you've never heard of uh, more than likely would be my guess okay so this one will probably be a two-parter because i have when, a lot of notes when shan goes down a rabbit hole i have a lot of notes shan goes way <laughs> down that rabbit hole yeah it's, it's fun time and we're gonna take it back to the 80s Yes. So, okay. okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Let's do it. Okay. So we're taking it back to February 1987. Good year. Yeah. Joe Tally Cooper is a beautiful red-haired 28-year-old. Okay. Mm -hmm. She's married. She's a young mother. She's got like an eight-month-old son. And she's about three months along in a second pregnancy so she's like bam bam gonna have these kids right now dear lord yeah those irish babies irish twins have kids in your 20s when your body bounces back you know what i mean true that's what i'm saying (laughs) good for her and telly cooper was a bad bitch okay let me tell you why we love telling stories (laughs) about the bad bitches i love a bad bitch she grew up in mississippi Got her bachelor's from Mississippi State and then wound up getting a master's degree from OU. Fuck yeah, she did. In, in the, the 80s. 80s. Yeah, Fuck in the yeah. 80s. She was like, hey, she probably walked into a classroom and was like, hey guys, I'm the girl in this year's class. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, whatever. So she was very educated, very well-rounded. She met her partner her husband tracy and settled down and started having kids and living her life so she's got an eight-month-old she's pregnant with another baby tracy went to work every day to provide for the family and she stayed home and everything's great right they had a cute little house in southeast norman kind of on the outskirts of norman okay 
So February 25th, 1987, it's a normal Wednesday morning. Tracy Cooper, Tally's husband, leaves for for work around 6.30 a.m. and arrives back home at 1 for lunch. Okay. When he enters their Southeast Norman home, their eight-month-old baby boy is crying in his crib, and Tally is lying dead on the living room floor. Oh, Lord. She's bound, gagged, and strangled. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, of course, he's devastated, calls the cops. They show up. Um, she's pronounced dead. And the scene is a little odd because there's no evidence of, like, a break-in. Mm-hmm. There's nothing missing from the house. So they're like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. You know? So there's a big swatch of duct tape across her mouth, okay. across her face. Uh-huh. And her hands are bound behind her back by a leather strap. Okay. And then there's another leather strap tight around her neck that's connected to the one that's binding her hands. Good God. Behind her back. Jesus. So it's like a detective sort of described it as a like a calf roping slip knot. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. She was also left in a posed position where she was nude and spread eagle. Jesus. Yeah. So her family in Mississippi is devastated. Her husband is completely, you know, hit by a brick, you know? Yeah. Now he has this eight-month-old baby, and he not only lost his wife, but this child that they were looking forward to meeting in in six months or so, you know? Right. Yeah. So the baby was young enough that he didn't ever really get to know his mom. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, there's no sign of a struggle. There's no sign of forced entry. There's nothing missing from the house. And there's no, like, evidence of a robbery, right? Right. Nothing's shuffled around. Nothing's any of that. It's very much like the husband did it. Well. At first glance, I mean, when you see it, there's no struggle, no forced entry. I think they figured out pretty quickly that he had an, a solid alibi that he was at work all morning. I mean, yeah. You know. Um, but also, weirdly enough, the Cooper's dogs are sort of locked away in the garage. And typically, they're in the backyard. Okay. So, this is somebody that they knew. So, usually... If there was, like, maintenance mm-hmm. or something that had to be done in the backyard, Jesus. Uh-huh. she would put the dogs away in the garage. Ugh. Oh, my gosh. And what do we say? It's always the maintenance it's man. It's always the maintenance man. <clears throat> like, so, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, but if you're a woman that's alone in your home and you have to have maintenance work done... You need to make it evident real quick that your dogs are going to stay right by your side. You need to make it evident real quick that you're not about the bullshit and, you know, just fake it until you make it. 
and that you are a strong, independent woman and you will not. And also, like, if you need to go do work in the backyard of my house, that's fine. I'm bringing these dogs in with me and you can go in through the side gate. Yeah. You don't, I, you don't need to, to come my into home. my house right. at all. Right. And I'm about to lock all these fucking doors and windows right now. Right. You know? Yeah. You don't need to be in my. <laughs> and if they. D- this is like, don't. Don't ever try to play nice with people, strangers that are coming into your home. I don't care if they're coming into no. your home to fix something. You don't have to be nice. Ever. You do not have to be nice. This you is can be 2022. Being accommodating. This is 2022. And some people in our country have already proven that women don't mean jack shit. Yeah. So when a man enters your home, you don't have to be nice. Yeah. You don't have to be about the bullshit. Ever. Ever. So they're like, weird. Maybe there was a power outage or something like that, that the Coopers had reported that they needed someone to come out for. So they start looking into uh, electric and cable people and gas utility workers, essentially, all that, right, to see if the Coopers had uh requested any maintenance or any repairs or anything like that because the husband was like no i mean i don't know of anything maybe something happened that morning and she called to report it and someone came out you know yeah something like that they checked all of their utilities providers no no service reports no outage reports no requests for maintenance none of that yeah okay so a few days after i mean It's already, like, very confounding, okay? Mm -hmm. The police captain for Norman at that time says it's a very unusual case. There are things that appear to be contradictory of each other. It's these kinds of things that only we and the suspect would know. What? Yeah. So it could have been a police officer? What? I don't understand what that means. That confuses me. No, they just said... There's a lot of things that don't add up, and they were obviously keeping some of those details private. They weren't releasing some information. Okay. And I'll tell you what that information is here Oh, in a so they're not releasing it to the public. Right. Okay. Right, right, right. Sorry. I, yeah. My brain probably farted out at that very moment. Like details yeah, that yeah. only the killer would know. So when yes. they find him. I got you. Gotcha. You know what I mean. I'm on the same page now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So in this same interview, he stated that they were waiting for the autopsy to be completed to determine if Tally was raped. And she was. So, which would be expected when she's nude and, and bound that and way, yeah. posed that way, right? Yes. So Tally was anally and vaginally raped. Jesus. And pretty horrifically. Like so- like sodomized? Yeah. Or just... I mean... Just raped? The, it's the same thing. Well, I mean... With a instrument, like sodomized with an instrument type of situation. It, there was sperm in both. Okay. The anal and the vaginal cavity. Right. So, I mean, she could have been raped with... An instrument as well. I don't know that to be a fact. But this information wasn't necessarily released um, 
about the details of the rape. They said that she was molested later. Because uh, it was the 80s. Because it was the 80s. But also, there was a child's plastic toy inserted into her vagina. That's what I mean by... But there was also sperm in both. So the medical examiner's report stated that she was raped both before and after her death. Oh, my God. Her manner of death was listed as ligature strangulation. And the medical examiner noted petechial hemorrhages in her eyes, face, and neck, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. On the neck, there were abrasions where the skin had been scraped off due to the friction from the leather strap. Yeah. And the ME report suggested that these occurred before death rather than after. Right. Because pro- there was blood. Well, yeah. And she was probably struggling, like, with her hands behind her back. Too. Yeah. Oh, my God. She also had some abrasions on her uh, back where she had been dragged jesus on the floor with her hands behind okay along the carpet jesus yeah so they could not find shit as to why she would have been murdered Mm -hmm. people loved her she wasn't really like a social butterfly she wasn't really living you know a quote-unquote risky lifestyle or anything like that right you know what i mean yeah So, they were just bamboozled, essentially. Mm -hmm. They offered rewards and kept, for a few months after, kept running, like, newspaper articles and stuff, asking for information. Um, Eventually, in August of 87, the police released sketches of two men that were seen separately. So the men weren't together. Okay. But they were both seen near the area of Tally's home on February 25th. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they were both s- reported to have been like roaming around that area. Okay. Okay. One is described as a white man between 25 and 35 years old. He's 5'8 to 5'10 and weighing around 175 pounds. Okay. With a small beer gut. All right. He has dark brown curly hair and is bow-legged. Ew. Mm-hmm. Ew. And the other is 25 to 35. He's six feet tall and around 175 pounds with a mustache and shoulder-length hair. And from the sketch, they made his shoulder-length hair look really fucking greasy and stringy. Good. It wasn't. It wasn't a great, <laughs> a great portrayal. I'll just say that he didn't have the beautiful hair that most men nowadays have when they let it grow out. I know. And do nothing. I know to get the beautiful hair. Don't even fucking talk to me about beautiful hair because you don't even have to straighten yours. I don't want to hear it. You can just blow dry your hair and. It stays the way it should be. You don't look like a Q-tip whenever you walk out in this Oklahoma humidity. You don't look like a Q-tip either. I don't want to hear it from you. Anyway. Not about your bullshit today, Shai. 
on the topic of hair. Anyway, um, during this August 1987 news article, uh, Norman police said that they had worked through about 300 suspects and narrowed their suspect list down to 70. Okay. That's a lot of people. Like, how can you... I don't even know how you can wade through that without DNA and stuff. Right. How, do you how even, did they do that? How yeah. Did, yeah. I I, alibis. Alibi. Uh, but uh, I don't even know. That's how we have so many people all of them wrongly convicted on. In the Which during that Oops. time, they could potentially do blood typing and secretor, non-secretor testing. But that was about it in Oklahoma in 87. Yeah. You know? Yes. So. Jesus. They also reported in August of 87 that they originally believed that Tally's murder could be connected to another similar murder that occurred in Tuttle in April of 87. But they had ruled that out. Okay? Okay. So just a reminder, Tally was murdered February 25th 1987 mm-hmm. in Norman, mm-hmm. and this other murder occurred April 87 in Tuttle. So, for those of our 14 listeners that don't live in the greater Oklahoma City metro, mm-hmm. or if you're new to the Oklahoma City metro, Tuttle and Norman are first cousins. Yeah, they're right next to each other. Yeah. They at this point in time, Tuttle is basically a suburb of Moore and Norman. Yeah. And at that time, it would have been a very short drive to get to Tuttle. Right. It was so, a small town outside of Norman. But yeah, yeah. A ton of people, even today, live in the Tuttle area and commute to Norman or Oklahoma City for their jobs every day. It's yeah. a twenty minute drive. Yes. It's not not far at all. Right. So I don't know how they, I do know how they decided that those two weren't connected, but we'll go into that in a minute. Regardless, Tally's case went cold pretty quickly. Right. Um, No new leads, and they were not turning up anything with the evidence that was collected from her home. Okay. Okay? Mm Mm-hmm. So... Let's take a look at this Tuttle murder. Yes, please. Okay. Yes. Like I said before, it occurred April 1987. So So just two months later. Literally two months later. Yeah. 32-year-old Deborah Stevens Mm -hmm. lived in Tuttle with her daughters. Deborah is known as a bubbly, outgoing woman, and she was very involved in the community, especially with this drug awareness program that she helped run for kids in the area. Mm -hmm. And she lived just south of Tuttle in kind of a rural area. Okay. Not many people around, not many other houses around. Mm -hmm. So... Um, at about 3.30 p.m., Deborah is found by her 12-year-old daughter 
dead at home. Jesus. Okay. Okay. So I assume the daughter comes home from school and yeah, finds her. Yeah. She was lying face up on her own bed. She was nude, spread eagle. Her hands were bound behind her back with a cord. And that same cord was around her throat. Okay. And you just said a second ago that the Norman police didn't tie them together. They decided they were not connected. How? As of August of 87, would, they decided. I would love to know on what brain length <laughs> I will tell they you. decided that these were not connected when it's literally the same pose. Okay. I will tell you. I will absolutely tell <sighs> this you. This is making me very angry right I know. now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, so it's easy to get angry in 87 and think... How the fuck can they not just put it all together? Right. They did not have the same resources we have currently. Right. Except, but it didn't take scientific fact in 87 to see that two women posed in the same manner with the same type of uh, bindings to, I don't know, maybe be connected. I totally agree with you. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why they didn't connect them. I will tell you soon. Or why they decided they weren't connected. Okay. I will tell you soon. Okay. Okay? Yes. <laughs> so, in addition to her being bound and nude, spread eagle, she also had white tissue stuffed into her mouth. So, no duct tape this time. White tissue stuck, to, stuck into her mouth. Just because he forgot duct tape that day. I mean. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Deborah's daughter would also tell police that the family's dog, who typically was allowed everywhere in the home, was confined to a separate bedroom when she got home and found her mom. So the dog is shut off in a different room. <clears throat> I, you know what? The... The information you're going to give me about how they came to the conclusion these are not connected better be some very good It's not as terrible. It's going to inflame your heart. Because <laughs> it's going to inflame your heart. More than likely, this killer came to both houses, said, hey, I see you have a dog. Maybe I have a fear of dogs. Maybe dogs don't like me. Do you mind putting your dog in another room while I come in and service whatever I'm going to service and then kills both of these women. It does not take a rocket scientist to see that this is completely the same MO. We're, f we're normal everyday citizens. And just with this information in front of us can tell that these are the exact same people. I agree. I agree. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> there's also no, evidence of forced entry there's no evidence that anything was taken from the home and except for the fact that a couple of drawers had been sort of rifled through there's no you know no overt sign that yeah. it was a robbery right because even in their early reports they're like uh someone made it look like they were trying to uh, rob them, mm -hmm. but it's not 
there was nothing gone. Right. And she's a single mom with two girls. I can't imagine that she had like, you know, $50 million in diamonds or anything right. to steal, right? In the 80s, a single mom? Yeah. yeah she probably Come on. So immediately, this falls under Grady County Sheriff. So they they take the investigation and they start interviewing friends and family and uh, old coworkers and neighbors and, and stuff like that. All of the people that you would normally look into, right? Mm-hmm. And when the autopsy is performed on Deborah, there's semen found in her vagina and swabs are taken and kept on file. Okay. So at least they, they're keeping the fucking evidence. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean... We can give them like half a gold star for keeping evidence. I don't know about gold. I want to say like a green or blue star at okay. this point. That's Maybe fair. half of one of those. That's super fair. Okay. I, I respect that. <laughs> um, obviously, there was also evidence of petechial hemorrhage in her eyes and face. Mm-hmm. And this coupled with the cord and the, you know, the ligature found around her neck and hands, they concluded that she also was murdered by ligature strangulation. Mm-hmm. So they did what they could as a smaller county sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. And it immediately went cold. Like Tally's case, Norman PD was actually um, doing newspaper articles and shit like that. Deborah's, if you try to look for old information on deborah's case there's fucking nothing out there nothing that's the saddest thing ever yeah yeah and i'm hoping that maybe it's just not available out here now and they were actually doing stuff and like looking for it but i mean other than a couple of newspaper paper articles early on Mm -hmm. and they offered like a thousand dollar reward for information other than that there's nothing I mean, by, by like, June of 87, this is dead. Jeez. This case is super cold. That's really sad. Yeah. So they kept a few people on a list that they were like, these could be our guy. Could uh-huh. be our guy. But ultimately, they didn't have an enough to charge anyone on. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So enter into the 1990s and we're talking 94, 95. Okay. Timeframe. So eight, seven, eight years on from these crimes. Okay. There are bills being introduced in States all over the U S to create statutes that would create a basis for the state to collect DNA samples from felons entering custody and already in custody. Correct. Okay. Yes. And this is all due to the FBI's CODIS system. Yes. Introduction. Right. All right? Yeah. So DNA were, was obviously a huge deal. And with these bills being introduced, they had analysts, uh, they had, like, corrections officers 
collecting swabs, mm-hmm. uh, mouth swabs and whatnot. And then they would send them all through like an OSBI lab or whomever right. to get them analyzed and get that data into CODIS so they could have known offender samples. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then CODIS also houses unknown samples from victims. From victims, yes. Correct. Mm-hmm. So both of those avenues can lead to a match. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. So they're doing all that and people are getting swabbed and it's a big deal. So during this time, Grady County was like, hey, we have this cold case and we would like for the OSBI lab to go ahead and review that evidence again to see if they can apply new technology to, you know, the vaginal swabs and anything else that they had. Okay, Okay. now they're getting a blue star. Yeah, we can, like I said, at least they held on to the fucking evidence and packaged it to where it's not rotting in a fucking in file a storage. room somewhere. Yeah, in a storage you know? facility. Mm-hmm. So blue star for, yeah. there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing, you're doing better. Let's try a little harder <laughs> for that gold, guys. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. So they were able to send those swabs and some other evidence to the OSBI lab. And they also had blood samples from some of the people that they had interviewed during their initial investigation okay. that they liked for it but couldn't couldn't put enough together to prosecute right okay not enough evidence right got it so they're kind of like take these vaginal swabs extract dna analyze the dna then compare it to these and let's see let's see what shakes out right you know if nothing we'll jump you know jump on something else right so Grady County was doing this. And during kind of over these years, Grady County is still in touch with Norman, even though they don't think that these had been connected. They kind of lost that train in 87. They're still in touch with Norman PD to say, hey, we're turning over this evidence to OSBI lab to get it um, reviewed. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should do it, too. Norman was like, cool, cool, cool. RSVP, yes. (laughs) We are also sending evidence to them, um, and we will have them compare to your blood samples that you had taken. Okay. Because, obviously, they had people that they were strongly liking for it. Right. So, (laughs) it pains me to say this. Um. The reason why they gave up on the connection in 87 mm-hmm. is because the way I understand it, mm-hmm. a small blood sample, a small blood um, droplet or something like that, had been taken at the Cooper crime scene, at Tally Cooper's crime scene. Okay. Okay. It was mislabeled. I'm sorry? Mm-hmm. With what? I don't know. Because it was very... 
just vague? Just said as it was it was mislabeled. It was mislabeled at the time in eighty seven. Okay. And so I don't know if that means that they assumed it was the suspect's blood and it really was like Tally's. Tally's or her husband's from a different, you right. know. Yeah, because it's your Because you bleed. Right. Like you cut yourself on a knife or something, you bleed. Yeah. So I don't know if they had utilized that in 87 to do a direct uh, blood comparison between that small blood sample and a suspect sample. Okay. And it, it didn't match. Correct. I don't know. So it's very vague. So... So if I'm understanding it right, so this little tiny sample Norman had, they were like, hey, Grady County, we've got a tiny blood sample. Let's compare. And mm-hmm. when they did that comparison, nothing matched. So right. they're like, okay, this it's can't be the, the same. same guy. Yeah. So I don't know if they had – I don't know if there was confusion in Norman that they had said um, – this blood sample has already been compared to Tally and her husband, and it's not one of theirs. So it must be a suspect sample. So let's right. compare it to this guy over here. And it didn't wash out. If the test was bad, if I don't know how it was mislabeled. All it said was that a blood sample collected at Tally Cooper's crime scene was mislabeled mm-hmm. in 87. Mm-hmm. And in 87, when this particular blood sample was compared against a suspect sample from Grady County, mm-hmm. th- it they, wasn't a match. Got so it. they determined that the two were not connected. So from one that, that tiny little sample comparison, they completely just... That's the way I'm understanding it. Okay. With limited, vague information. Okay. Okay. So I'm extrapolating a whole lot of shit out of some very vague, limited information. Okay. Okay. So uh-huh. take that for what it's worth. I'm going to take that as they use they use that to just say, oh, they're not connected. <laughs> Wipe my hands of that. Yeah. So um, Norman, Grady County, both give all of their evidence over to the OSBI. And for a re-review. Okay. Okay. And when the OSBI completed their review they notified both both agencies mm-hmm. that there was a match mhm mhm <laughs> shocking so in part 2 i will tell you about who it's a match to i love that and how that all went down i love that but holy hell okay yeah the better part of 10 years passed jesus christ with no match oh. But there is a light at the end of this tunnel. I'm so glad. And I know you loved a, love a solved case. Yes. And I can tell you confidently, in part two, you will get resolution. I'm so glad. I need resolution right now, Shan. That is we, a solved case. We need a solved, resolved case yes. from this yes. shit train of a... <laughs> I mean, absolute fucking dumpster fire, right? Oh, my goodness. Absolute dumpster fire. Oh, my gosh. So join us on Thursday. We're going to have two two (laughs) episodes in a week. It's going to be awesome. For part two. Part two. We'll see you then. Bye, guys. Thanks, Shan. Thanks, Shai. (laughs) If you've enjoyed this episode or you're just really optimistic that we'll only get better from here, 
Like, subscribe, follow You're Doing Fine Oklahoma on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at You're Doing Fine OK Pod. That's you are underscore doing underscore fine underscore OK underscore pod.